If you would, please open up with me in your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah 13. While you're opening up there, a couple reminders. Uh, the first reminder is the sermon series that we find ourselves in. Uh, uh, it's, it's a homecoming and it's a heart check and it's serving God in the present. Uh, because there is a reality for the people of God in Zechariah's time. They have come home from a long uh, exodus away from where they were before. And when they got back, things were not only not the same, but their hearts still weren't in the right place that they needed it to be. It wasn't a place thing. It wasn't a position thing. It was a heart thing, a spirit thing. Thing. And Zechariah comes in this moment with a word from God to say, listen, y'all, we need to listen to God. And God has a word for you. And the word is, distinct, is distinctly that God himself will work and intervene on your behalf. That leads us into the second thing that we need to be aware of and reminded of for Zechariah. Uh, if you didn't know this already, and we've been making reference to it every week, uh, in almost every chapter of Zechariah you find references, or rather, maybe I should say in the New Testament, you find references to almost every chapter of Zechariah. This morning, for instance, in Zechariah 13, not only does the Lord Jesus Christ himself remind the disciples of the reality of the prophecy that Zechariah gave here, but we also see that writer of the, uh, of the book of Revelation, of the apocalypse, John himself, referencing this as he's trying to lay down the images that he is seeing from God himself as far as what in the world is going to happen in the end. He uses Zechariah 13, one-third, two-thirds. Check it out if you're curious. See if you can find what I mean. And this leads us into the final piece, and it's that God throughout his revelation, his work on our behalf from the very beginning has had in mind, as Sally Lloyd-Jones might put it, uh, the daughter of a very famous preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, though she's more famous than he is now for children's books, etc., uh, that, that God has in mind a great rescue plan. And he's been telling us about it from the very beginning. A great rescue plan. Because his people need rescuing. With these things in mind then, we come to a very usual main point, but I think will be of great blessing to us. What are some benefits of believing the gospel of the Lord Jesus? What are some benefits of the many? Zechariah here, by God's grace, gives us four. Before we see those, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Your word to us that is intentional and meant for our good. Oh, Lord, even that should stop us in our tracks and astound us. Forgive us if it doesn't. And Lord, stir in us to make it do right now. Lord, Bless this reading of your word. Make it powerful. And make it stick. In Jesus' name, amen. 
This is Zechariah chapter 13. We'll read the whole chapter, but really just verses 1 through 9, uh, 9 verses. On that day there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land so that they shall be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land the prophets and the spirit of uncleanness. And if anyone again prophesies, his father and mother who bore him will say to him, You shall not live, for you speak lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who bore him shall pierce him through when he prophesies. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies. He will not uh, put on a hairy cloak in order to deceive, but he will say, I am no prophet. I am a worker of the soil, for a man sold me in my youth. And if one asks him, what are those wounds on your back? He will say, the, the wounds I received in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is my God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, it stands forever. And even when it is sobering, we would do well to pay attention to it. And I believe at the end we will see great benefit and good news spawning from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Remember, our main point, what are some benefits of believing in the gospel of the Lord Jesus? I said that of the many, we see four explicitly seen here. They are cleansing, revelation, debt payment, and refinement. So first, as we're thinking about these benefits, we see that the follower of Jesus is cleansed. Verse 1. I've got a dentist appointment tomorrow. How many of y'all like the dentist? I've got it. It's coming up. Uh, I, I don't like the dentist because I feel like I always get bad news when I go to the dentist. Okay? I don't know. Maybe other people. Rebecca, she doesn't ever get bad news, so she says she loves the dentist. But it's something that is very important. Now listen. This is my regular appointment, just for a teeth cleaning, but I know for a fact that I've got some staining. Not only can I see it, but I just know it because of the copious amounts of coffee that I drink every day. My dentist has told me, this is what it is, come in for your cleanings to make sure that we keep your teeth healthy and in order. At the same time, I am a religious teeth brusher. Far above and beyond, dare I say it, I'm going to put myself out there against any of y'all. I think that my dental hygiene matches any of you in here. I'm serious. And you can ask Rebecca. 
I brush my teeth religiously. I floss. I use mouth rinse. And what does the dentist tell me? Oh, well, it's, I don't eat candy as much. What does the dentist tell me? Ah, oh, it's just a little bit of sugar in your saliva. Some cratering in your molars that gives you some problems. <laughs> really? <laughs> no matter how much and how often I brush, floss, rinse, and clean, every time I go to the dentist, they get something off. And every time you go, I guarantee you, they get something off. It's just not enough. The stains over time just keep coming. And the same is true for my soul. Right? Y'all feel that? Surely. No matter how hard I try, I have a stain on my soul that I just can't get off. Verse 1 of chapter 13. On that day there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. After this sermon, we're going to sing a song. Hopefully many of you know it. The few lines that most people know, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Jesus removes the stain. A great benefit of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and the good news that not only he proclaimed but that he fulfilled and that he preserves is a cleansing from sin that cannot be achieved on our own but that he freely gives to us upon belief. The great benefit of cleansing, one that we should not look over though it is but one verse here. And with that cleansing comes another uh, benefit, though. It's our second point. The benefit of revelation, verses 2 through 6. Because of this cleaning work of God through Jesus, I hope you saw it here, we're given new sight all of a sudden. Our own sins binding hold on us caused and causes still a blindness to so many evils of the world. Ephesians 1 verses 15 through 18. This is Paul. He's praying and giving thanks. Listen to the words well. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And now listen to these words well. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And then he goes on. There is a spirit of wisdom and revelation that comes with the cleansing work of Jesus. And all of a sudden, because of that, idols can be clearly seen for what they are. Mere things that have replaced God in our lives. That's verse 2. False prophets and teachers are so obviously wrong now that we have the spirit of revelation, that we have eyes of our hearts open 
wide to see the reality of the world. False prophets and teachers are so obviously wrong that even those who would love them most, their family, see their great folly and sin and choose the Lord even over them and rightly so. Verse 3. Even more, those same false prophets, whether they are truly enemies of God, seeking to turn the people of God away, whether they are greedy individuals, people trying to get money or gain power or gain influence, or whether they are just people trying to get a little bit of pleasure in the moment. No matter who these false prophets are, no matter what their intent, whoever they might be, God will open even their eyes to the truth to the point that even they own their punishment that they receive from their family. You see that in 4, 5, and 6. Remember, uh, those who are falsely prophesying, uh, they deserve death. They deserve punishment. Who pierced you? It's the friends in my house. That's who did it. It turns out I'm not a prophet. I'm just a farmhand, and I was trying to make some money. Verses 4, 5, and 6. You can see it there. At first you read it and you think, it doesn't make sense. But when you see that and you realize the reality of what's going on, it makes all the sense in the world. As God is doing a cleansing work, and because of that cleansing work, eyes are given, ears are given, and the absurdity of a false prophet, the absurdity of an idol, is clearly seen, even from the false prophet, the one trying to make a buck or whatever. When believing in Jesus and his gospel, not only is there a great sin cleansing, but there is also the granting of a spirit of revelation where truth can be seen, where lies can be seen, and where right separation of those two can happen. Isn't that the most complicated when truth and lie seem to be combined with revelation from God? They are easily separated as we move forward in life together. Cleansing and revelation, they are two benefits seen in the good news of Jesus. But Zechariah has more to say. There continues on this prophecy from him, our third point. The third benefit mentioned here of believing in the gospel of Jesus is debt Payment, verse 7. Awake, O sword, is what Zechariah says. And that's a, it's as if God is saying that my sword of judgment is coming. But on who? Against my shepherd. Against the man who stands next to me. That is, against Jesus. Explicit gospel revelation here. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, in case we had doubts. Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But for what reason? Why would God strike the shepherd, scatter the sheep, and therefore turn his hand against the little ones? Verse 7, what is his purpose? And if we go back to those words of Jesus, and we take those words in context, and we see where they were spoken, and what happened before 
and what happened after, it becomes quite obvious. Those words were spoken on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Moments ago, they had sung a hymn. Perhaps they sung like us in Sunday school, Psalm 103. For as far as the east is from the west, maybe they sang what we prayed, Psalm 46, that God is a very present help. Maybe they sang a psalm of lament. Maybe they sang another. And yet in it all, the gospel is revealed. And before that hymn, they had a meal. The body, the blood of Jesus, represented by bread and wine. Jesus making explicit mention of who would betray him and still washing his feet. If you look after, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he pray? Do you know? What does he not pray? Do you know? What did the disciples do? And what do we do? And yet still after that, even after Jesus' betrayal, even after Jesus' beating, after Jesus' humiliation, even after Jesus' mock trial, even after Jesus bearing his own cross to the point of exhaustion, grabbing a stranger from the crowd, even after the crucifixion, he did not abandon his people. He received the full wrath of God on our behalf. You put it in context and you see why God did what he did. He gave his only son that whosoever might believe would have eternal life. Jesus willingly went not only as a good son but as a good God desirous to bring his people home. Lest you forget he could have called in a legion of angels at any time to take him home and to leave us be. And that was not what his choice was. His choice was one of silence, like a lamb led to slaughter. It's the gospel. And in the gospel, what do we see? We see our debt paid. And this is what we see here in verse 7 of Zechariah 13. Jesus takes on himself a true payment of debt. And with that payment, yes, comes the cost of a scattering of sheep in distress. But at the same time, it wins souls and the souls of those same sheep, even us. And there's more. Our fourth point is refinement. Verses 8. And nine Refinement, that is the process of removing impurities or unwanted elements from a substance. First, we see large-scale refinement in verse 8, where God separates those who follow him from those who do not follow him. And it's worth noting that following after God is the more difficult reality. One-third compared to two. 
Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus illuminates. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Don't let cultural Christianity, the narrative of culture in general, postmodern academia, we got some college students back. I see y'all. <laughs> Don't let academia fool you. Because Christians and Christianity will always be in the minority. I'm not talking about uh, morals and good vibes. I'm talking about picking up your cross and following after the Lord Jesus, worshiping him on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. Those who have been changed by God, those who recognize such change and move in it as followers of God, walking along the way. Always a minority in the world. We see that here explicitly. But after that large scale refinement, there is also small scale, or maybe we could say personal refinement as well. Think about it like this. We've seen it already. Through cleansing, that is removal of sin, revelation, that is uh, capability and revealing of impurity, okay? And debt payment, that is preservation. The purification process, that is refinement, starts to take place. Um, sometimes you hear the word sanctification. It is a process, a work of God in our lives as he makes us into something new. In other words, he justifies us, but then he doesn't leave us be. He continues a refining process. He sanctifies us. He, he pulls us out of the world. He sets us apart in a different way for a different purpose, to serve him rather than to serve our own sin in the world because of the bondage of slavery that comes with that. And then we get some profound Bible verses that we skip over. We do this all the time in God's Word. Uh, for instance, how many times do you skip over and then God said? It's profound. God, God said something? You know, I mean, we, we skip over that, right? We get used to it on accident. But here are a couple Bible verses that we should not skip over, that we would do well to pay attention to. It's philosophically profound, if you wanted to say it like that. It's spiritually unattainable apart from God, if you wanted to say it like that. And it's also simple enough to be found in one sentence, if you wanted to say it like that. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is my God. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. <laughs> Profound and worthy of pause. What are some benefits of believing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the believer is cleansed. 
The believer is given eyes to see. That is revelation. The believer is spiritually freed of death. And the believer is refined, that is purified, to the point of actual conversation with God himself without fear of being wiped off the face of the planet. Incredible benefits of believing in the gospel. To get us to the application portion of this, let's go point by point. First, Following the guidelines of Christianity does not make you a Christian. Let me say it again. Following the guidelines, the rule set of Christianity does not make you a Christian. The cleansing of the Lord Jesus Christ is what makes you a Christian. Do you have a heart and a mind set on Jesus? Because you can fool everybody else, but you cannot fool God. And we would do well to answer the question. Why would you care to fool me? You know, that happens to me. You know, I'm a pastor, right? Let me tell you how much of a super saint I am. Who am I? <laughs> you know, I'm a nobody. But it happens. And we don't need to fall into that with our surroundings. Second, we're following the points. We've seen cleansing. Let's think about what it means to work through this process of revelation. The great gift of revelation is that the Christian has eyes to see and the capability to separate truth from lie. But here it comes. When's the last time you spotted an idol? That is anything usurping God's rightful place of worship. When's the last time? When's the last time you spotted a false teacher or teaching and recognized it as such? If we've been given eyes, but we keep them shut, they are of no use to us. Look around today. Just today. Let's do homework, but just today. Look around today. Maybe your Facebook feed. Maybe news. Maybe something you're reading. It doesn't take long to see just one idol. Just one false teacher. They are myriad and legion in the world today, surrounding us. But when's the last time you saw one? To go there, I know you don't want me to. When's the last time you saw one in yourself? Third, as we're thinking through cleansing, revelation, debt payment. The shepherd Jesus was struck in place of you, the Christian. Therefore, our debt to God has been paid. But not by you. Are you more often humble in your interactions with others or prideful? Because the Christian embodies the necessary humility of a defenseless sheep bought with the blood of the good shepherd. He is the tax collector beating his chest in the temple beseeching the Lord to look upon him a sinner. That is the demeanor of the Christian. But what is it that you embody? And then finally as we think about refinement to round out our points and application 
the process of incremental purification. Are you quenching the Holy Spirit by refusing the process? Though the process of refinement is decidedly spiritual, we've mentioned this before, there are tangible ways to measure it, to see it, to experience it. So how's it going? You know, there are many common difficulties that that come through the threshold of my office. And if you would like to know, one of the most common are those who have gathered up enough courage. This is typically a years-long issue. And they have gathered up finally enough courage or the Lord has done something even up to pushing them into my office sometimes to reveal and to speak the reality that maybe the spirituality isn't there anymore. I believe, Pastor, but I don't know what I'm doing. Perhaps you haven't gotten the courage yet, or the Lord hasn't stirred in you enough yet, but do you feel the feeling? It's not an age thing. It happens to us all. If we are not about uh, decidedly protecting ourselves from the world, seeking after the Lord, beseeching Him daily, it happens to us all. And sometimes we need a bit of reorientation back to the Lord. It's as Paul says, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Are we doing anything at all? In the end, it can be so sobering. It can be so heavy. And yet the burden is light, is it not? We're about to sing. It is a powerful hymn. They are powerful truths, verse by verse. And here's one that has stuck with me. Ask Judy, ask Patrick and Ryan up there. We're here this morning. Ask my wife. Uh, ask uh, uh, who was in the office while I was singing this, the, the money counters this week. I have been singing this song. It has been stuck, and I am so thankful for it. Dear dying lamb, your precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. What a day. What a day that will be. And it is coming. It is a benefit of believing in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And so until then, be blessed and see these benefits that are before you. Exercise them. Work them out. And see God work in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the benefits that come with the gospel of the Lord Jesus of cleansing of cleansing, Lord, of cleanness, God, of seeing, of being debt-free, and of seeing progress, purification, 
that we just can't do on our own. And so God, would you keep blessing us with such benefit? Would you keep growing us? And would you keep helping us to worship, even as we sing now? Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.